Awesome. We've been uh, working on a series through the Fruit of the Spirit, and I believe this is the fourth message in the series, and um, we're on the topic of peace today, and uh, of course peace is, is an important topic because I think like all the fruit of the Spirit, we would probably like more peace, and because, uh, you know, life is tough, and things are getting more expensive, and you know, we're always dealing with uh, just issues at work and relationships and everything else in this world and busyness. And, um, and so it's just like, you know, I, I want more peace in my life and you probably do too. And so uh, we're going to talk about how we can have more peace in our life. The main passage is found in Galatians chapter 5 that we've been working through, which says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we're going to talk about peace. So uh, what does it mean, first of all, the, the idea of peace, the word peace? What are we talking about when we're talking about peace? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word is a word you've probably heard before, the word shalom. And um, it means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, has to do with kind of an inner well-being, and uh, it's just a, a beautiful word in itself, and it's often kind of used as a greeting. You've probably heard people say shalom, and if you've been to Israel, you would hear that. I mean, Leslie uses it a lot because she's got Jewish background, and when you hear that greeting, it, it means maybe full of well-being, or may health and prosperity be with you, and even the word is just a peaceful word. I don't know. It's just the word shalom. It's just like, oh, shalom. It brings peace just hearing that word, and it's a beautiful word. You can use that as a greeting. And so it's found a lot in the Old Testament, this idea of shalom. Um, it was even a common greeting back then. Jesus would have used the word shalom, and in John 20, in fact, he uses it three times, this idea of shalom, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. In the Greek language, that's just a similar idea Irene, uh, unity, peace, quietness, wholeness, and rest. This idea carries this idea of oneness. And so if two people are fighting and they reconcile, they would be uh, restored to wholeness, restored to peace, if you will. And, um, you know, one museum in Canada recently did a, a question, what does peace look like? And so kids got to paint all these and draw these different paintings. And, and one said, peace is looking at the sunset uh, peace is acceptance, acceptance and understanding. Another one said, peace is a quiet creature that is able to nap happily in the sun. <laughs> or peace looks like this. And, um, and some of those, I mean, the idea, a lot sometimes we think about peace having to do with our external circumstances. You know, if I, I see a beautiful sunset, and, and that's part of peace, but uh, scripture-wise, peace is kind of like joy. Last week we talked about joy. The difference between happiness and joy, where happiness has a lot to do with externals and joy is a more internal thing. This is similar to the idea of biblical peace, that it is a more of an internal thing. And, and sort of the biblical idea of peace and what we're going to talk talking about today would be more along this line. That does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work, because then we just have to leave this planet and we'd be in heaven or something like that. It means to be in the midst of those things and still have a calm in your heart, to still feel wholeness in your heart and a oneness in your heart in the midst of, of trials and troubles and, and struggle because we can't get away from those things as much as we would, would like. 
And like the other fruits of the Spirit, there seems to always be a partnership. There's God's part and our part. This is similar to joy, God's part and our part. And we're going to use a similar format this week. But we see God's part is this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. This is His fruit in us. And so God is constantly pouring peace into us. He is peace in us. But there's also a part we play to really see that peace come alive in our life. And, and we'll talk about this a bit later, but we see verses, it says, then the peace of God will be with you. Well, what does it mean? We have to do something, then God's peace will be with us. Well, that, that's our part. And so let's begin with God's work of peace in us. And uh, probably one of the, I, I would think the most key passage on this is John 14. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so he receives this is God's part. He says, it's going to be my peace in you. Just like he said with joy, he said, it's going to be my joy in you. And very similarly, it's his peace in us. And of course, Jesus is full of peace. He is known as, uh, as the Christmas verse says, he is the Prince of Peace. Uh, the God of Peace is a common phrase. Uh, one of the names of God is, is God of Peace. And so God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are, they are peace. They are saturated in peace. And he is present with us. And as we talked about last week, this idea of being saturated in the presence of God, that, you know, we talked about that scientific idea that, you know, 99% of us, is, is nothing. <laughs> you, know, you know, scientists say you can take every single person on this whole planet, and if you just took their particles, you could all pack us into a, a size smaller than a sugar cube, because they're pretty much all just nothing. Now, what is that nothing? This, I don't think it's nothing. I think it's God, <laughs> that, that we are 99%, if you will, the presence of God, and that presence of God is joy, and the presence of God is peace. And so we don't actually have to search for peace. We don't have to go looking for it. It's, it's already with us. And we are already saturated in it. As, as Jesus said that, Jesus says, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I mean, we're so blended up together. How do you separate that? You can't. I mean, right now, you are saturated in peace. I mean, no matter what's going on, you're saturated in joy. Uh, but sometimes our mind and other things get in the way of that. But, but to just always come back to this reality that, that right now, I don't need to search for peace. I'm saturated in peace because the presence of God is just overwhelming me right now. And Jesus is in the Father and I'm in Jesus and he's in us and we're all, we're all wrapped together. And, and because of this, very clearly, as the Bible talks all over the place, this is a peace that can be realized in the midst of hardship and trouble. I mean, even when Jesus says this, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And this idea, he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Because often the, the world's idea of his peace is, you know, when you finally get financially stable and finally when your marriage is doing well and finally when you get that new, you know, Tesla or whatever you've been hoping for, you know, finally when everything comes together, then you can be at peace. Uh, Jesus says, no, no, this is not like the world gives because, I mean, no matter how you try to get everything together, you might get one thing together and something else falls apart and then you try to get this together. I mean, you'll be running after peace for your whole life and miss it. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the same context, he says, my peace I give you. And, and, he, and this is like a whole dialogue, you know, John 14, 15, and 16. And he says to them, 
my peace I give you. And then he goes on to tell them that they're going to be persecuted and their people are going to try to kill them and that Jesus is going to be killed and there's all this trouble coming. But in the midst of all this, he says, my peace, <coughs> excuse me, I give you. And it's a peace in the midst of, of trial. And this is as Philippians 4 says, where he says the peace of God which transcends all understanding. I mean, it's a peace that doesn't make sense at times where, I mean, if you, you're really being saturated and being aware of the presence of God in the most difficult times, it's weird sometimes. It's just like, man, everything seems to be falling apart, but there's just a weird peace going on inside of me. And people all over the scriptures testify of this, that I'm sure most of you could stick up your hand and have a testimony about this. And probably the most classic testimony that roams around the church world is, of course, um, uh, Horatio Gates Spavord, who was a famous hymn writer. And he just had just a, a horrible life, but wrote this beautiful hymn about peace. I mean, he was a lawyer in Chicago in the 1800s, and um, he had four daughters and one son, and he, he loses his son. And then shortly after, there was the great Chicago fire, and he had invested a lot in property, and it all burnt down. I mean, he lost everything. And so... He had planned to get away with his wife and his four daughters and take a trip to Europe to just kind of chill out because everything was, was just falling apart. And some business stuff came in, so he had to send his wife and his kids off ahead of him. And as his wife and four daughters were heading across the ocean, there was a collision as they approached Europe, and, and he loses all four daughters. And his wife survived and telegraphed and just said, you know, a message to her husband, saved alone. And uh, so he gets on a ship and heading over, and uh, he, uh, you know, the captain says, this is the spot where, you know, you lost your kids as they were going through the ocean. And it was there he wrote uh, one of the most famous hymns of all, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. And not meaning that it was well that, you know, his four daughters and his son and everything else fell apart, but he's saying it's well with my soul that, that, that I mean, in the midst of the sorrow, there, there's a weird peace that passes all understanding. And, and it says, you know, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billow roars. And so this is not roll, it's not ignoring his sorrow, but this is a peace within the sorrow. And he writes this as on the ocean, in his ship, seeing the waves and, and this place where, you know, the, the ship was sunk. And, and so he writes, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well. It is well with my soul. And in the, the, the chorus, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And, and, and there are people all over the world that testify in the midst of the worst things, that in the midst of the sorrow, it's like the waves of the sea, that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And this can only be explained by God's peace because it can't be explained by everything, you know, coming together in, in, in the world. You know, this is the kind of peace Jesus wants us to have. And in Mark chapter 8, of course, there's a famous story about peace in the storm. And it says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, uh, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and he was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, you know, it's okay, I understand. You should have been afraid. That was really scary. And, uh, but he doesn't. 
You know, sometimes we think about Jesus and all this empathy he has here. This is a strange one because I would hope that if I was a Jesus would be, yo, that was really scary. I understand why you were freaking out. I mean, you almost, you almost died. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to have the kind of empathy that I would hope he'd have. I mean, he, he's like, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have no faith? I mean, he probably said it in a nicer way, but I mean, it's a little bit odd. Uh, but I mean, Jesus wants us to, to go to a higher level than freaking out about every storm we, we face in life. Amen. And it's easy to do because there, I mean, there are so many storms that, that we can be constantly freaking out and filled with anxiety. And, and Jesus is calling us to a higher level of faith. And I think that's what he was doing here. It's not being unloving, but, but it's saying, hey, you need to be rising above that through faith. That there is a joy and there is a peace to be had even in the midst of a storm. In fact, we're not just supposed to have peace, but we're supposed to be so saturated in God's peace that it, we actually are passing it on to other folks. And there's this, this weird verse in Luke 10 where Jesus says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace or receives peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. And so it's this idea, it's like, peace be with you. And there's actually peace within us that it says will actually go out and rest upon this house and those people. And so that we're actually able to give peace because we're actually saturated in it. At all times, we are so overwhelmed with peace, but sometimes the anxiety and fear kind of gets in the way of that. But Jesus says, you have so much peace that you can, you can just give it away. When you walk into a store, when you walk into work, when you walk into here, that, that peace be upon you, shalom, you know, the greeting, that the shalom that God is working in you is, is pouring out. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples in the midst of the storm, don't be afraid because you have so much peace saturating you right now that you have it to give. And so to, to rise up in faith when it comes to peace, I think, is what Jesus is calling us to. And, 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 and sometimes this is just coming back to being aware of the presence of God. Because very quickly we can get into the, you know, the fright, flight, freeze, flop, and drop mode, you know, when our amygdala kind of overrides and, and we, get, we start to freak out. But I mean, I mean, scientifically they say, you know, deep breathing or just becoming aware of the presence of God can bring us back into faith. And this is where the practice of, of breath prayers that we have done here sometimes can be helpful. I mean, the Jesus prayer, which dates right back to the third century of, of Christianity. And uh, very shortly after this idea of breath prayers where you, you know, in the midst of your anxiety and when you start freaking out and your mind starts to go other places just to pause and, you know, breathe in and then breathe out and just, and to pray, you know, to, to inhale and to say, peace of Christ. And then exhale, guard my heart and mind. And maybe just to do that 10 or 11, 12, 13, 14 until you just become aware of the presence of God. And, and this idea of the presence of God and his peace begins to, to saturate you more than your fright, flight, freeze, and flop and drop syndrome that is happening uh, with you. I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, the thing the Bible says is that, that look, <clears throat> you want to get this thing figured out with peace? Peace, it's, it's about a person. And if you keep thinking it's about your circumstances or trying to get everything arranged in your life, you'll never grasp it. It'll always be like the smoke of Ecclesiastes. But peace is a person. That peace is about the presence of a person in your life and being connected with that person of peace. And, and then scriptures talk about this all over the place. We talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace or uh, Romans 15, God who gives us his peace. Or Jesus, when he says peace, I leave with you my peace I give you. That, that it is about a person. 
and to get our minds back on that person and being saturated in that person and to realize that this person is in me. And uh, because God changes us. I mean, his presence changes us. Now, now why are there eggs on my screen? Well, <clears throat> I did actually have eggs and toast, but they weren't these eggs. Those look better. They have spices on them. But, but you know, this morning I was super hungry because I almost always have eggs and toast in the morning. But I did have eggs and toast, and I went from being hungry, and I had the eggs and toast, and, and all of a sudden I was full. I mean, eggs and toast changed me, and I felt better, right? <laughs> I don't know. Have you been checking out Burger Week? I had one. It's not so cheap to have Burger Week anymore, but I did. It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was a beautiful burger. <laughs> you know, I was hungry, and then I had a burger and fries, and I was full, and it changed me. And I mean, that's just food, though. I mean, just think about the reality of God who has complete peace being in us, and much more than just food. I mean, the, the reality of, if, you know, toast and eggs can change us in a burger, how much more this reality of the presence of God and being saturated in the presence of God. And, and it's just constantly bringing our mind back to this idea that we are saturated in his presence, that, that, that peace is the presence of a person. It's the presence of God in his fullness in our life. And he loves to give us his peace. As it says in Psalm 37, gr- uh, 35, great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servant with peace. And God is so delighted to give you his peace. And uh, again, you don't need to search for it. It's all over you. It's all in you. It's so wrapped up in all that space between all your particles because, you know, Jesus is in the Father and you're in Jesus and he's in him. And it's all, I mean, to be a real, real, just to, to constantly be recognized this reality of the presence of God in your life. Now, there's our part. God's part is working his fruit in us, but the Bible actually says that, that we have to do something also to really realize this in deeper ways. For instance, in Philippians 4, it says, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So it's talking about this, this peace that is beyond understanding it says we will experience it, but, but how do we experience that? Well, we, we see God's part, but it also says here, there's a then. There's our part, then, then, then you will experience this peace in deeper ways. And so what is our part? Well, Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Ah, that's easy, right? No, no problem, we got that. <clears throat> no problem. <laughs> well, how do we not worry about everything and everything. Well, he says to pray, that to transform your worry into prayers. I mean, you can still, I mean, we, we actually all know how to pray or to meditate on. I mean, it's like prayer. Prayer is kind of the opposite of, of worry. Because when we're worrying, we're, we're thinking about what if this happens and this could go wrong and this could go wrong. That's just change that a little bit to pray. God, just change this around and just direct your worry to God. Does that make sense? I mean, we ruminate, we get worried, but you can ruminate through prayer. And that's what he's saying here. Don't worry about anything. Just re- re- rearrange those thoughts into prayers and pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done and to saturate your prayer in thanksgiving because as we talked about last week, it's, it's scientifically proven now that if you actively practice thanksgiving, you will be a more joyful person. And so it helps with our anxiety to pray and be thankful. And it says then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And, and the reality is because God's peace is already there. 
but it's our mind that gets in the way. And so if we can just change the way we're thinking, he is saying here, and, and, and to pray and to be thankful that there's something that creates a peace in us. And similarly, in the same passage, he talks about this relationship between peace and our thought life. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> Again, this has to do with our thoughts because our thoughts can really get in the way. When we start thinking that God is not with us or that we're thinking that we have to go search for peace or we start thinking that peace is somewhere to be found out there rather than realizing the reality that's already going on. And it's difficult to, to think this way and to fix their thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable because we watch the news and we're saturated in social media. I mean, there's a lot of things that can pull our thoughts away from those things. And so he's saying just be careful with your thoughts. I mean, be careful what you take in and saturate yourself. I mean, we do need to be on social media and keep aware of what's going on in your world, but, but be careful about taking too much in because it can throw us off in terms of our peace. And it's very much what Isaiah says. Uh, you will keep in perfect peace. And that's what we want. <laughs> we want this perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. And this is our part. To keep our thoughts fixed on the presence and the reality of the love and the joy and the peace that God is in us. And to watch our thoughts, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, to we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And if there's a thought that begins to go squirrely and go off and becomes a virus and begins to take over, we've got to catch that thing and say, does this line up with the kingdom? Does this line up with what, what, what Jesus is thinking? And this is often where we lose our peace is, is that we might be in peace and then all of a sudden we have this viral virus kind of a thought and also we lose our peace. And so sometimes we have to go back and find out where we lost our peace. And I like these questions. You know, uh, where did I leave my peace behind? You know, if you, you don't feel it, just say, God, where did I leave my peace behind? And he's probably, I might just highlight something for you. You know, it might highlight some thinking. And then to ask God, uh, what thoughts do you want me to, I should be think, about this situation? Uh, how, how do you want my thoughts to be? Because, I mean, you say if I fix my thoughts on you, and you say if I, if I think about things that are, you know, good and lovely, and th that I'm going to have this peace. And so, God, how do you see the situation? And so maybe let's take a moment to just maybe ask this question. Maybe think about an area in your life where maybe you just don't feel at peace. And so just to begin with the question, uh, God, where did I lose my peace? I might bring up a, a, a picture or a scenario or a moment or a thought that kind of went the virus way. God, where did I lose my peace? Where did I leave it? Where did I drop it? And God, you know my thoughts <laughs> are filled with anxiety and worry over this. And God, I know that's not. You say, don't worry, but just to pray and be thankful. So God, 
what thoughts do you want me to be thinking about this situation? God, what thoughts do you want my mind to be saturated in when it comes to this situation? And God, we ask that you'd help us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to you. One last slide, because we can't talk about biblical peace without talking about our relationship with God. Um, this idea that right now you have absolute perfect peace with God. As so it says, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have 80% peace with God. That's not what it says. Uh, 95% peace with God. 99? No. It, it, it says you have peace with God. Not, not because you're so amazing. And this is where we get off. This is where we think that God, you know, God is 10% angry with me because, you know, I still keep screwing up in my life because I don't have it all together. This is not about you, actually. It's not about what you do or don't do because. We are saved by faith and we're saved by the work of Christ. And peace with God is not based on what we do or don't do or how much we're praying or not praying. God's peace with us is based on the gospel, what Jesus has done. And so whether your day is great or not great, God is looking at you right now with 100% perfect eyes that are filled with peace towards you. So what it says, since we have been made right and not 80% right, not 95% right, but right, 100% right. In God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And this is why we don't need to be afraid. This is why the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear because we realize that we have peace, 100% peace, that we can run to the arms of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we don't need to be afraid of fear of them, as it says in John, because perfect love casts out all fear. And this is where this peace comes and man, when you realize this it is so transformational that when you realize God is looking at you with eyes of peace and that he loves you so very 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 much and you can just rest in his presence and appreciate that peace that he is saturating with you and he says to you shalom so father we thank you for the peace you give us And God, I pray that you would just help us more and more to recognize all the peace that is already in our being right in this moment. And God, no matter what we're going to face this week, may that peace be bigger than our problems. God, may my thoughts be fixed on you rather than our problems. In Jesus' name, amen.